Welcome to the podcast series Talking Success, connecting the global fintech community. I'm Stacey Jafter, and today I'll be chatting with Patrick Winterhoff, Chief Operating Officer at CG24 Group. CG24 is an online marketplace for financing, offering borrowers the opportunity to take out personal, real estate, and business loans. Hi, Patrick. How are you? Hi, Stacey. I'm very well, thanks. How are you doing? Good, good, good. How's your week been? Excellent. Uh, just came back from a holiday, um, so kind got back with lots of energy to uh, to get going again. Nice. Where did you go? Uh, spent some time in Italy uh, at the beach, uh, soaking up some sun. Beautiful, beautiful. Love it, love it. Well, Patrick, let's just dive right in. I want to hear more about your career journey, and then essentially what led you to become Chief Operating Officer at CG Twenty Four Group. Yeah, sure. So first of all, thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Happy to have you. So my career journey, uh, if you look at it on the CV, um, which which has been a challenge in the past as well, might seem a bit haphazard. Um, yeah. So I started off um, basically uh, deciding at university uh, to to study economics or biology. Um, decided on biology finally and um, realized relatively quickly that while I, I'm very interested in in natural sciences and and I guess how the world functions. Mm-hmm. Um, biology wasn't really f- the right thing for me. Um, so kind of took a tack uh, more towards business management um, and and thought I'd go into the life sciences area on the business side, uh, you know, uh, pharma, et cetera. Um, tried that out a couple of years in uh, Singapore doing uh, business conferences um, mm-hmm. and actually being involved in, in sales very strongly, telephone sales, et cetera. Uh, to be honest, a horrible first job. Uh, but but a very <laughs> steep learning curve and um, yeah, and got a lot of out of it at the in the end. I didn't enjoy it at the time, but looking back, I'm very happy I did it. Um, and yeah, it 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 helped me, I guess, uh, clarify a few things that I wanted to do. I realized that the life sciences area is interesting, but really relatively slow paced. You know how how long it takes to develop a drug, etc. Um, yeah, wasn't really what I was interested in. I, I kind of needed a bit more action. Um, had some involvement with uh, the mining investment space uh, while I was doing these business conferences, and that was super exciting. You had these these uh, wannabe big shot uh, mining operators who came on stage to pitch their their deals, etc. A little bit how how you could see the the, the fintech space at the moment now. Yeah, and, and I realized, uh, yeah, this is kind of exciting. I like I like the the vibe of it. Um, want to go down that route, um, but still like the, the sustainability aspect that I had kind of caught on with in biology and uh, eventually then decided to go back to university and uh, do some uh, study physical geography to to try and get on the route to um, to push or what I had identified as my actual um, key interest is to push um, sustainable agriculture and how to finance that uh, um, with private money. Essentially, you know, you have a lot of um, international organizations, uh, World Bank, et cetera, uh, governments yeah. that finance these kind of things. And uh, so my passion is really going in that direction, finding uh, ways to make the private market work in sustainable agriculture. And then uh, after the studies uh, through through a few uh, different positions with the German Development Bank, uh, then an impact investment fund in, in Germany, I actually ended up uh, in the fintech space with CG24 Group. As a product manager, um, as I saw it as an opportunity really uh, yeah, build towards that that big goal I have uh, later on in life, um, and uh, been here for close to four years now, and uh, not regretted it one bit. I've uh, learned a huge amount of of, uh, of things while while being at the CG24, and uh, awesome. still have quite a lot of plans uh, ahead as well. 
Thanks. Can you tell me more about your experience um, at your current position and at the current company? So I started off as a, as a product manager. Um, and really kind of got at the stage the company was at at the time, it was still relatively small. We were around, uh, I guess, uh, 15 people. Um, a lot of the, the products, et cetera, were still, um, yeah, you know, not, not automated. Um, a lot of things were still done by hand uh, and Excel sheets, et cetera, um, uh, you know, try, trying to kind of... Um, um, Give the give the impression of a of a of a um, fast moving fintech when you know I think the reality is a lot of companies uh, um, still do a lot of stuff um, manually in the background yeah in the initial stages um, yeah so I learned a lot there in terms of how how the individual projects need to products need to work you know how what are our challenges and the, the various aspects uh, of the business a lot of things weren't working. Um, and then we had a few uh, changes structurally within the company um, on senior management level um, about a year after I first joined. So I became chief, became chief of staff. Um, wow. Right, wow. Right hand of um, the, the CEO and founder. Um, he decided to come become, uh, to take, take over, I guess, the leadership, the executive leadership of the business again at that time. And uh, so I really grew into, I guess, being the right hand of the CEO at the time and uh, continuously took over a lot of tasks that, uh, that I actually have uh, now as, as CEO. Um, so kind of grew into the role um, over, over about two years then, and uh, then officially took over as CEO at the beginning of this year. How involved in the acquisition were you in at the time? So that was a big, uh, big step, actually, um, 2020. Um, this was shortly after I became chief of staff, so I was very closely involved in, in, in the due diligence process and the discussions we had at the time with with uh, Advanon, the company we we acquired at the end of the day. Um, and it was a huge learning experience for me. I hadn't, you know, you read about these things in your in case yeah. studies, etc. Yeah. But uh, then actually being involved in it uh, in the initial stages, um, negotiations. Um, um, discussions, et cetera, was super interesting uh, challenge as well, because a very steep learning curve. Again, a lot of things I actually hadn't dealt with before. And um, then you get to the the point where the acquisition is, uh, or, or the merger basically is, is signed as a done deal. And then you, then you actually get to work because uh, the process is huge. And uh, as, as, as is well known, uh, doing a merger or an acquisition or some any kind of integration is, is a huge challenge. And uh, I knew that already. But uh, again, once you experience it yourself, it's, it's quite a different deal, actually. From my understanding, it was a competitor that was acquired. Is that correct? That's correct. So Okay. How, how do you analyze if that's the right competitor to merge with? So I think it really depends on the on the situation that, that the company is in. Um, which what you really, I guess, one really needs to realize is the the huge investment that it is to to acquire a company or um, to merge or whatever the the, the structure is you you eventually end up with. Um, and it's a it's a challenge on, on on various levels because you you have different cultures coming together. You have I guess technical systems that need to be integrated. Um, you have different business and products. Um, so for us, it was so. So I guess you really need to understand what you want out of it. Uh, what's what's the goal of of, of acquiring another company? Um, is it a strategic uh, acquisition? Do you want to go into a new market? Um, and then that company will help you, I guess, achieve uh, instant market share essentially. Yeah. Or um, or do you do you like some technical aspect that they have in their business that you want to integrate? And uh, really, for us, it was 
it was um, more a matter of um, CG24 at the time was more the uh, financial uh, service provider, if you would say so. It wasn't mm-hmm. really the t- typical fintech. So on the technology side, we we certainly had some some catching up to do. Whereas Advanon was the typical fintech, you get um, um, uh, startup, uh, nice nice tech essentially. But on the flip side, for them, um, the, the the financial service business that they had set up wasn't functioning at the level that it should be. So essentially, it was uh, bringing those two businesses together and and trying to uh, make make the strengths work on on both sides and eliminating the weaknesses. Um, Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host Matt Heslin brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. In my previous company, we went through a merger and the way they delivered the news to the employees was, listen, like not much is going to change within culture that the business that was, they were acquiring us at the time. And the business that is acquiring us, they match our values, they match our company culture. How important do you think that cultural differences make when acquiring? Well, actually, I'd be interested to hear from you whether that was actually the case. or, 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 or. I think that in the short term, it's the case. And I think that they try to keep as much the same as possible so one, people don't panic (laughs) and leave. And there's a lot, I think, of promises being made that maybe aren't always kept. I didn't stay at the company for that much longer, but that was for different reasons. I I was in the US and then I had to move back to South Africa. So it wasn't because of the merger. But um, I think that a lot is said to keep the employees calm. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I... I think you know that's absolutely key. I think um, you have, and this is depend, depends on the on the relationship and the merger, I guess, uh, and which which company you know is the stronger party at the end of the day, and who dictates how the business the business will be run in future. Um, the people who come on board, of course, um, from the business that is being acquired. Um, for them, it's a complete change. You know, they they've been working on this vision. I guess um, if they're committed employees. Um, um, they'll probably be disappointed or they'll really have a challenge to accept a different way of looking at things. Um, and it's it's important to to try and make that process as easy as possible for them. And uh, we certainly had our challenges there. Um, the communication was similar, I guess, you know, um, not that there wouldn't be any changes. It was clear that there would be changes, um, yeah. but that we would really want to bring the strengths of both business, businesses together and... Um, and work together as a team to to really make uh, both of them work uh, uh, well together. Is there anything you would have done differently when, whether that's how you handle the acquisition, um, decisions being made? Well, you know, I think um, one one thing you really need to look at is um, is is who gets what role in the new business. Mm. Um, I think um, the the 
specifically the role of the of the founder for example of of, of the company that's being acquired is is a challenge um yeah yeah you, you've you've invested so much of your lifeblood into the company and and the vision etc and um I mean, it's a success to 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 sell the business, of course. But I think I have a sense that the motivation—it's uh, very difficult to keep the motivation after the the business um, kind of um, is engulfed in in, in a different uh, mindset, possibly, or um, or a, a different uh, vision of how the future is supposed to be. And I think that's really a critical question: is is that 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 one should probably have and and deal with a bit more closely with the with the key personnel on on both sides, probably is is with a changed situation um is this still what what they're looking for and if not then uh, is there a way of of making that that work better essentially and ensuring yeah. then also that the roles there they're fulfilling are you know that they're really able to to execute on them and not um yeah there's the saying that you never quit the business or your job you quit your manager is there a way that you can like mitigate that when acquiring a business because let's say the ceo usually leaves or stays on for a short amount of time and just at a, at a point is no longer as involved and maybe that was the person you were looking up to or you really felt that that was a massive passion of yours is working with this person how do you navigate that yeah, this is a big challenge. Um, actually, in, in our case, so um, the CEO of, of Advanon, uh, the founder and CEO of Advanon, um, left yeah. probably about a, a year after after the merger. Yeah, it sounds about right. And um, you know, he had some some staff that um, that was with Advanon, and 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 um, they they followed him on actually, uh, or quite yeah. a few of them followed him on, yeah. which which you know I think this is always always the point. Uh, it's not necessarily harmful. Like, these guys were great, of course. Um, the work that mm-hmm. they did, uh, they, they, they were really talented. But at the same time, it's it's a question of motivation. You can have the most talented person on board uh, if they're not if they're not really committed to the to the business, then uh, they're just not going to perform the way they need to. So, um, at the end of the day, um, yeah, if, if you have somebody who who le- leaves on to um, to new pastures, um, my my um, approach or my um, a way of thinking is uh, don't stop them there's a there's a german saying uh, which i'm just going to translate really badly right now but it's uh, you shouldn't stop uh, tra- travelers or you shouldn't stop mm. people traveling i love that and uh, for me that really applies because if somebody has decided to leave or they're not you know full committed anymore then then don't put any stones lay any stones in their way to to stop them from leaving um, i love I mean, that try to fi- try to of course convince them to stay but they really need to be convinced and uh, yeah yeah and it's probably then cheaper in the long run, or for the company, for the business, to to find a new hire uh, to 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 get somebody new in who's who's really uh, convinced of the idea and and really motivated to join. You also went through a funding round with CG Twenty Four Group on the podcast. We cover all all the ways you should do a funding round, but not much about what not to do. What's your opinion on what not to do when going through a raise? Uh, so actually, we're currently um, in discussions uh, for for a funding run at the moment. Um, of course, uh, if you look at the the markets at the moment, it's probably not the ideal time. We start yeah. a little bit too late, but uh, nevertheless, um, I think I'm speaking mainly from from this perspective of, of currently trying to raise now. Um, what we found, or CG24, as I mentioned before, was not the typical uh, fintech business. So we didn't really start with the the usual stages, pre-seed, seed, seed uh, a, a round, et cetera. Um, 
building out the relationship with the with the VC investors early on. Uh, this was kind of all lacking. Um, so basically, from the network of of, of the founders at the time, um, the business brought on board a lot of uh, angel investors, uh, quite a few high net worth individuals, um, which was good at the time. And you know, the business kind of worked on a bootstrap basis um, for a long time. Um, but with a new vision uh, last year, when we decided to pivot a little bit and and kind of really uh, change the tack in terms of how we want to approach. Um, Strong growth. We realized that, you know, specifically on the technical side, we really need a lot more, not a lot more firepower, a lot more funding um, to finance the business. And decided then, of course, just to say, okay, let's let's go down the route. Uh, let's speak to VCs. And what I really realized is, you need to establish those relationships early on. Um, and it's an ongoing process. Discussions. Uh, the you need to getting getting the the foot in the door with a VC is. Uh, especially when you're not at, at the early stage anymore is, is much mm. more challenging. Um, yeah. Um, if you don't have an established, uh, I guess, connection already. And I think if you take the typical VC ladder, then then it's much easier because uh, probably you'll start with the angel, angel investor network and they can help introduce you to to um, early stage VCs. Um, and then it's a kind of, uh, you know, if, if the business performs well, it's a, it's a, it's a natural process. Um, whereas if you if you start with bootstrapping um, and you don't really um, cultivate those relationships, uh, it becomes very challenging later on to uh, to um, quickly execute on 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 on, on the fundraising yeah. process. I understand you're currently in the trenches, so this might be a difficult one to answer. Um, but you mentioned that this is a difficult time to raise. Is there anything that you're currently learning about what the market is looking like and just having to change your approach to raising? Well, actually, I think I think on one side, it's a difficult time to raise simply because um, the hype is kind of a little bit out of the market. So the VCs uh, and investors are not just throwing the money out there uh, as they as they did last year. Um, at the same time, I think that's a good thing because this is really the time that that you can you know you can really shine as a business that's functional. Um, we're close to uh, we're basically break even uh, on our on our basic business model as we're market lead in Switzerland and in in the marketplace lending space. Um, so we're doing very well um, and can have very. Uh, Good conversations with investors. I mean, the, the funding hasn't dried up completely. It's, it's still there. There's still money around for good businesses. Yeah. Um, so it's it's really more about um, making sure that the fundamentals are right in the business. Um, and I guess if you are a business that's uh, that's that was purely going for growth uh, and maybe wasn't even close to profitability or didn't really have a clear roadmap to to that profitability, then yeah. it'll probably be uh, quite a battle. Talking about growth, moving from a startup to a scale-up has many challenges and often there are a ton of growing pains. A lot of trial and error. How do you scale or grow a business while you're teething? Uh, I think for me, that's really the, the key point is, is do good hiring. Um, mm. So what I've seen personally, uh, I guess my in my in my own career, but also we've had a few... Uh, occasional bad highs at CG24 as well in the past. Um, I would really put that down to um, our hiring process not being really critical enough. So it was, at times, I think it was a little bit more, again, haphazard. Um, you know, you, 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 you kind of have your own biases. Uh, you think, okay, this person seems similar to me, so let's hire this person. And you don't really 
put them through the the rigmarole of doing a case study maybe etc okay okay um i think the 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 process of of really challenging people in in the hiring process is time intensive uh you need to also involve various people from from maybe various teams uh, so actually it's quite costly but um investing that time um you know on a balanced level to to really make sure that the hire is right fit is motivated um has the right skill set um, makes such a big difference because uh, if you get somebody in who kind of you don't need to um, hold their hand uh, for the first few months, but they can they can start working straight away, take over responsibility. Uh, they have the right motivation to 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 do the right things. It's such a big uh, uh, benefit for the business in the end because you can focus on on other things and uh, the person can can do things right that maybe. I don't know. You're not you're not experienced enough, or you don't have the right experience to do properly. Uh, so that's really key. But then you know, um, you also need to look at the stage the company is at. Uh, if you're really early stage, you you probably won't be able to hire the most experienced uh, people, mm-hmm. um, unless you have a lucky punch. Maybe there's a, there might be a person who's fed up with their corporate job um, and really wants to take take on a new challenges, willing to to take a big pay cut. Um, and then go for it. You know, get that person on board, and 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 make sure that they're incentivized as well within the business to to perform well. So I think those for, yeah. for me those are really the key the, the key points uh, to to avoid unnecessary growing pains. Okay, very interesting. It's a candidate driven market. We see that roles almost have switched where it's candidates interviewing hiring managers, seeing if they want to join this business candidates having two to three different offers. How do you find that balance then of putting them through a rigorous process, case studies, but you need to get their buy-in? How do you find that perfect balance of them still being excited about this opportunity, but not having the process be too long where they drop out or accept a different offer? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting question. Um, this is something, of course, uh, we look at very frequently. Yeah. Um, I think at the end of the day, as, as you mentioned, uh, we realized that relatively early on. So, so Advanon, the, the company we acquired, uh, they had a pretty good uh, hiring process, which we liked. And mm-hmm. basically, this is one of the benefits, I guess, of the mergers that we uh, we've we've taken over that hiring process uh, almost fully. Um, and but I think there are various stages. At the at the initial stage, of course, if you have a good image as a, as a, as an as an employer. As yeah. a fintech company that already that creates the first interest, right? That that, that, that you actually get the application from the candidates that you want, and um, following that, then actually, I think the rigorous process. I mean, it's not that rigorous. You, we typically have three stages. We have a first mm-hmm. first interview, uh, then a case study, and then a, a follow up interview with uh, um, the CEO um, or founder, essentially to make sure that 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 the fit is right from their perspective as well. But I find the case study is an excellent way to actually engage with the candidate much more closely because, of course, if you take some some random case study that has nothing to do with the real business, it, it's kind of tedious. But what we like to do is actually take uh, real real issues that we have in the business currently right now, um, take that as a as a point of discussion, then you know, and, and see okay, how do they actually look at this problem? Uh, there's no yeah. solution to it, really. It's it's more a matter of okay, how do they actually go at it, and uh, then have a discussion with the, with the team later on. And I find so the feedback we've always had is has been excellent. Uh, they found it very interesting, and it gives them a feel for the for the business and I guess the job that they will be doing yeah. as well. Um, and that helps the, the discussion. 
At Talent in the Cloud, we see job descriptions daily with different requirements, some businesses wanting certain degrees, others focusing more on experience. What type of experience or education do you see as important in the fintech sector? So I, I guess this is my personal opinion. Uh, I think some people might uh, might differ on that. Um, and I refer back to, to the point earlier, I think it depends on what stage your company is at. Um, if you're early stage, I think I would much rather prefer an uh, kind of uh, an all-rounder, somebody who's who's done a lot of different things, um, who can bring a lot of um, um, different skill sets into the business um, and I guess different perspectives so that you can challenge um, um, the way things are, things are done typically, um, but specifically somebody who's willing to learn. You know, the person really has to be keen to, uh, curious, uh, keen to go out there and, and try out new things uh, and also yeah, get get in the trenches and and dig, you know. Um, so actually, get their hands dirty, and not not be a, the type of person to want to delegate all the time, etc. But then you know you get to a later stage in the business, um, and then of course you really need uh, specific expertise uh, when you need to professionalize. Um, we're in the fintech space, um, so so financial services is extremely regulated. Um, there are to to convince an institutional investor, for example, you need to make sure that you're speaking their language, and yeah. you really can only do that if if you have somebody who's spoken the language before in a in a larger company. So then the the the, the best hires at that stage, I find, are people who've been in the corporate world and who've decided now that this is, this is not what I want to do in future. Um, I want to I want to try out the startup route. Um, some excitement, um, maybe also some potential big compensation if there's an exit at some stage. Um, so that's what, what what I typically look for then. I am very, very surprised by your answer is, um, so Talent in the Cloud, we're an executive search firm focusing on fintech talent. So we speak to hiring managers every day, giving us exactly what they're looking for. And it's so, so rare that people look for corporate experience just because they find it's a struggle for them to adapt to being agile. Um, mm. Just they really struggle with how things are done and how things are run. And here's an idea, plan it out, let's go launch. Mm. Is that not the case for you oh, at least? It, it actually, it absolutely is. But okay. <laughs> but, but maybe it's also a matter of, I guess, how long their corporate experience is. Um, okay. Uh, and, and I guess at what point in time does a person become disillusioned with the corporate experience? Um, I think uh, there is certainly a struggle and, and I find it also in, in the hiring processes when you have interviews, um, you tend to, to go, for, you tend to realize in the interview process already in the case study when they start thinking about the problem, okay, you can clearly see that they have a kind of siloed thinking um, when approaching an, an issue. But I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of you know, if, if the candidate is good, uh, has the right skill set um, and they're willing to and they want to learn and they want to, I guess, change a little bit. Then I'm a big fan of, of of giving them a chance and 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 seeing how that works out. Um, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it does. Um, but um, I think also maybe on the flip side, I I, I would be hesitant or I would uh, be interested in somebody who came from the fintech space with a lot of experience mm -hmm. in the fintech space. But at the same time, I I see the danger. And you see it in the VC space specifically. It's it's this kind of groupthink. Um, this is the way. The world works in, in 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 fintech space, and I don't think that's necessarily helpful because uh, you kind of end up becoming a your own uh, corporate identity, just like as if you were at a bank. And, Got you. Um, so, and that's kind of like a fresh you, perspective. Yeah, exactly. And and I think uh, it's difficult to be innovative if if you're doing what all the other fintechs are doing at the end of the day. Okay.
So uh, yeah, I, I guess there's no uh, cookie cutter answer that, that, <laughs> yeah, that you yeah. can really use, but uh, it's always a case by case uh, situation. Fantastic. Patrick, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was lovely having you on. Absolutely. Likewise. Thanks a lot and uh, all the best. Thanks. Where's the best place for listeners to reach you? Um, LinkedIn, easiest. Um, I always check the messages. Don't always respond as I get a lot of them, <laughs> but uh, if, if it's interesting, then, then I certainly will. Great. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Talking Success, Connecting the Global Fintech Community. Feel free to follow us on LinkedIn at Talent in the Cloud. And if you're interested in exec talent, expanding your team, or you yourself are looking for a new exciting change in your career, check out our website, talentinthecloud.io.